0: Welcome to this 820 AM The Word broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to the heart of the city.
1: Well, this is Heart of the City. I'm Chuck Olmstead, the Director of Local Ministry Development for 820 AM The Word. I have a special guest with me today. His name is Joel Madsen. Joel is the Vice President of Global Training Network and is also the uh, Missions Pastor at Cascade Church in Monroe. Joel, welcome to Heart of the City.
2: Thank you, Chuck. It's good to be here.
1: Well, you and I just had a chance to meet. Uh, we've, we've seen each other off and on through the years, but yes. uh, have a chance to spend some time in studio today. We've got a mutual friend, Kerry Cruz. Mm-hmm. And Kerry was on uh, Heart of the City a while back and shared his story, and, and he called me up and says, you know, you got to get Joel on here. Mm-hmm. To share his you. story, so you, uh, you uh, have been in Seattle for a while. Uh, when did you show up in the in the Northwest?
2: I came in 1989 uh-huh. and um, came on staff of Overlay Christian Church in 89 and have been here since uh-huh. but grew up in Phoenix, Arizona.
1: Phoenix. And
2: uh, that's where I got my start in ministry and where God called me to his ministry. Well,
1: tell me about Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was what was life like back for you those many years ago as a young child?
2: So growing up in Phoenix, uh, my family moved from Minnesota. Uh, they were farmers. We moved to Phoenix to have a new start, and I'm the oldest of four children. And uh, so we were religious people going to church, but uh, never really had a personal relationship with Christ. But um, it wasn't until Uh, Really, my high school years where I started thinking seriously about what is life all about? What is my purpose? Does God have a purpose for me? But one of the parts for me, basketball played a huge role in my life. Loved to play basketball. Uh, Basketball came easy, and so my life was consumed in playing basketball and uh, going to school. And It was the summer of 1975 that my life radically changed. Um, I was at a youth conference, and uh, my thought was m- when I get into my senior year, I'm going to pursue playing basketball at some college, university, wherever I could play. And uh, yet, God interrupted my life hmm. in the summer of 1975. We took a busload of kids, our youth group, from Phoenix, Arizona, across the country to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Now, I can only imagine what the summer driving a bus without air conditioning uh, across the South into. Tulsa, Oklahoma, and and part of even the the conference there, there was a a youth convention, and uh, I got to play in a basketball team there, and really my motive was to play basketball and just uh, meet new girls. Of course. That was just what it was all about. How old were you? I was 17 years old. Mm -hmm. So a junior or senior in high school? I just finished my junior year, right? and so had a great time, but one night in particular, we were at... um, a big convention center and uh, there was a man that spoke at the convention on the prophet daniel and how daniel was a young man who was resolved was just resolved to serve the lord he was committed to the core and they were estimating he was maybe 13 14 15 years old and and there was something about that message that the spirit of god just reached out and grabbed my heart and and i could sense that as he was talking about this character daniel that god was doing something in my life but i couldn't identify it and they had an altar call where they said come down if god's speaking to your heart and uh, just and so something was happening and i i remember just stepping out and walking as fast as i could down that aisle stood in the front of that auditorium and there were like 3 4000 people there And uh, a man came up to me and said, son, what are you here for? And I immediately started to cry. Mm. And I said, I don't know. All I know is God wants me here. It was that catalytic moment in my life that everything changed from there on out. And my youth leader who came with us from Phoenix, he started to disciple me and just tell me about Jesus. I had this insatiable desire to read God's word. I read it every day. My family noticed, and they said, something's up with Joel. And uh, that began a discipleship process. But with that came a reorienting of my values. Instead of basketball being the whole pursuit of my life, God had put it this desire for serving him, knowing that I was created for purpose and on purpose. There's something that he had for me, And, and I started you know, trying to figure out, God, what, is, what does that mean? And I'm growing in this new faith, this religion, I mean, in this uh, faith relationship with Jesus Christ. And my the man that started to disciple me uh, just said, well, you know, maybe you need to take next steps to figure out what you need to do. And I ended up um, changing, p- turned down some scholarship offers for different places and pursued Bible college at a little school called Southwestern Bible College in Phoenix, Arizona, and it was there that I actually met my wife, and my life changed from there on out, felt called to missions, felt called to be serving the Lord in ministry. But one of the sidebar stories, if I may, um, I love basketball. I would already mentioned that. In my basketball story, I remember when I said yes to Christ, it meant giving up everything, even my heart's desire to play basketball. Not that I couldn't play, but it's not going to be my whole pursuit mm-hmm, in life. Mm-hmm. And so it was a denying of self. And I remember saying, Lord, I just give up that dream or goal that I have because I believe you have something bigger and greater than I can even imagine. And, and But I added a PS to my prayer. I said, Lord, if there is a way that I could use basketball to bring you glory, I would love that. And so as I continued on, I my first uh, freshman year in college, um, and I played on the school team, uh, which had a small, we played in a rec league. It really wasn't much of a basketball program in those days. Uh, But my sophomore year, I got a call from a ministry called Sports Ambassadors, Mm -hmm. which is Overseas Crusades, which is now one challenge. And uh, somebody had turned my name in and said, hey... Joel would be he he is a caliber he could do this and so I quickly filled out all the paperwork and applied and had all the you know is he a good basketball player can he do this and and they ended up accepting me so the summer of 1978 God gave me the opportunity to play basketball all summer long all over Central and South America and I I can't help but think that's the nature of our God That even though we give up for him, that sometimes the splash back that comes to us of who God is and what he has for us, he he grants us those things to say, you know what, you're making the right choices. And so it was a dream come true for me to play more basketball in a summer um, than I've played in a whole season. (laughs) We played every night, every Mm -hmm. day, different cities, and it was just a wonderful experience all the while being able to share Jesus Christ with people. Give away Bibles to Nicaragua, Costa Rica, and Colombia. Yeah. It was just a wonderful wonderful experience.
1: So what's your family thinking at this time? I mean, you know, so you're a good, you know, good boy and and you've got this potential future ahead of you with a nice scholarship yeah. probably in basketball and all this and all of a sudden you you're a Jesus yeah. freak.
2: Yeah, actually my parents grew up very conservative religious Religiously, and yet uh, my mom was thrilled huh. because she saw that her son was on fire for Jesus. Uh-huh. That was a desire for her. My dad was similar, but it wasn't, it was a lot with my mom's desire of just uh, wanting her kids to be in ministry and, and kind of a sidebar with that, realizing that my grandmother was a praying grandmother. Well, there you have it right and there. She had huh. prayed that her <laughs> grandchildren would serve the Lord in ministry. And so, when my mom heard that she 's going, "Hallelujah, praise <laughs> the lord that that 's the a fulfillment of a prayer prayed of a praying grandmother mm-hmm. and a praying mom, yeah, and so they were excited, fully supportive of Good. doing you know whatever we needed to do and uh, then my family quickly followed my brother and he's a pastor now, uh, my sister 's the administrative assistant for a pastor in Georgia. And my youngest sister is married to a pastor, wow. so my grandma's prayers were powerful and effective. Uh, amen, amen. Yeah. So you graduate from Bible College in Phoenix, 1980. Uh huh. Graduated from Bible College, and at that point, I felt called to missions. But every time we would pursue missions, uh, God would shut the door. Uh, one place uh, we were invited to spend a year in Belize and to take over for another missionary. But I found out what kind of situation it was, and my wife is um, not as a, a rough-it person, so we found out we had to live in a shack in the middle of a jungle with no electricity, walking a half mile for water. I said, you know what, we go as a, pa- as a couple, right. we come together, and I think, I don't think that's going to work. And then we almost went with Food for the Hungry as a ministry, but then uh, we got pregnant. And so it seemed like every time we'd pursue forward, there was a, a road closure. Hmm. And uh, and yet I, I realized that detours, delays, and roadblocks are often how God gets us in position for what he has for us.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I'm uh, talking to Joel Matson. He's a global training uh, VP at uh, Global Training Network. This is Chuck Olmstead. We're on Heart of the City today. And Joel, that is true, isn't it? That those, those delays that happen in our lives, and, and the nice part of it now as you're talking in studio is you can look back yeah, at yeah, that. Yeah, when amen. you're going through that, those are some rough patches yeah, that are yeah. in your life, and, and oftentimes you're thinking, you know, is God really ever going to use me in the way yeah. that I thought he was going to use yeah. me? And But that is that process that he wants to take us through, isn't it? Amen. Yeah. Amen for sure. So what happens
2: next? So we ended up, um, after a couple years, graduated from Bible college thinking, Lord, what do you have me to do? And um, and I remember one prayer that I prayed saying, Lord, um, I've gone through all this training. I think I'm ready, and yet there's no opportunities. And so I remember saying to the Lord, Lord, I'll do the next thing. Whatever at my church they ask for volunteers to do, I will do it, just as a step of faith obedience. Well, it comes, out, comes to be got a request to teach a sixth grade boys Sunday school class. And I was disappointed. I'm thinking, Lord, sixth grade boys, really? I had grander plans of right. doing other things. And, but I remembered the prayer, and I said, Lord, I'll be faithful. So one summer I taught sixth grade boys, and I said, I'm going to do this with everything that I have. It was after that that God opened the door at our church for my wife and I to start a college ministry as a college pastor on our at our church and so we started from scratch, started gathering college students, grew the group to fifty to 75 college students that would come for Bible study, we'd go to campuses and just saw a move of God among college students and it was a rich time for about five and a half years mm. and uh, just being able to pour into young people and it's still it's part of my DNA to say, how do I help this next generation? be all that God wants them to be, because I know what God did in my own
1: life. Yeah, and that is an investment, isn't it? Because, you know, those college students are there for a while, and yeah. then they're gone. They're gone, yeah. And you got a next group coming in. Yeah. So what happens after that?
2: So after, after I was doing that, then, then another detour came in the, the road of life, where uh, the church we were part of went through some financial difficulties, and, and uh, you know, churches aren't perfect, and there are things that happen, and ended up getting laid off as a pastor. And um, I remember thinking, Lord, what's this about? I'm getting laid off as a pastor. I'm serving you, and I get treated this way. And that was mm-hmm. part of my own maturity that God was working me through. And I remember I started uh, thinking, okay, well, I'll just, I'll just figure out what I want to do next. And, and, and I emphasized what I want to do next. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up uh, doing all kinds of odd jobs. I was a truck driver for a while. I did some uh, printing press work, uh where I'd burn plates for a big four-color printing press. And then I started pursuing the fire department. And uh, I had a friend that was in the fire department, and I went through all their processes and passed everything. And it was right about the time I was going to be accepted as a candidate, as a, a new recruit for the fire department, um, I get a call from a church up here in the northwest, Overlake Christian Church. And my good friend Tim Avery called up and said, Uh, Joel, would you consider coming up to the Northwest to be a singles pastor? And I said, no, I don't think I really, no, I don't want to do that. And I just turned him down flat, didn't pray about it or anything. And then uh, probably another month went by, Tim called me back and said, Joel, what about a small groups pastor? We could really use you. And I'll never forget his question to me. He said, Joel, what about this position doesn't fit who you are? And it was the first time I realized I'm running from God. Hmm. I don't want to go. And so I'm saying no. And so I still struggled with the Lord with that. And and I still tell, told Tim no. And I told Tim, I prayed. I've prayed about it. I don't think God wants us in the Pacific Northwest. End of conversation. Um, a few weeks later, my wife and I had some time of Intense fellowship, and <laughs> where there was a disagreement of the direction we were going. And, uh-huh. and she would have these dreams about the Pacific Northwest. And I said, Kathy, I've prayed about it. God doesn't want us to be in the Pacific Northwest. He wants us to stay in Phoenix. But as soon as I said that, after we went to our separate places, uh, separate parts of the house, yeah. I knew in my heart, I'm running from God mm-hmm. because I'm not willing to consider this piece. So I typed out a letter. This is back in the days before computers. We're doing the old typewriter. And I typed up this letter to Tim and said, Tim, if the position has not been filled, I will consider taking that position. I realize I'm running from God. And so sent it, and I'll never forget folding it up, mailing it. I knew I had to do it right then. And then I told Kathy, I mailed the letter. She goes, you did? Then all of a sudden, she had a little fear like, (laughs) What does this mean? What have we done? Yeah, You know, God's in all of that. Mm -hmm. So he mailed it off. And then I get a phone call from Tim Avery just a a week or so later. And he said, Joel, uh, I got your letter, but it looks like we've already filled the position. And so in my heart, the mature man of God I was, I said, see, Kathy, I was right. Yeah. (laughs) And so it went on. And then I get a call back about four weeks later. He said, Joel, the strangest thing happened the gentleman that was going to take the position told us, I'm not the man for this job. And so I'll never forget being at uh, this printing company and I talked to Tim Avery on the phone and he said, Joel, this guy turned it down, will you come up here for the interview? And I almost—I got weak-kneed, almost fell to the ground because I knew what that meant that I'd already said yes in my heart because I knew I was running from God. Mm-hmm. And I said, we'll be up there. It was Labor Day weekend of 1989 and this was like on a tuesday and he said could you be here by friday they paid our ticket up there went through the whole interview process the elders voted on it and they said we want you to come go home and sell your house october 1st you start and and it was one of those powerful movements of god in your life positioning you in a place of where he wanted you even though it was difficult i look back and say thank you jesus mm-hmm. for how you position through roadblocks delays even disobedience the ironic thing was the Sunday morning preaching time was the series that uh, Pastor Bob was going through was on the prophet Jonah hmm. and I said that 's poetic humor mm-hmm. that it's talking about Jonah, and so we ended up starting at starting coming to the Pacific Northwest in October of 1989 yeah and serving as pastor where I served for sixteen years.
1: Well, we've got about six minutes left, and I wanted to find out, as you position into this new ministry of Global Training Network, what is, who is Global Mm -hmm. Training Network, and what do you do there?
2: Yeah. Global Training Network is a ministry that trains and equips the neediest leaders around the world. And um, I thought for the 16 years at Overlake, I was doing ministry, and I got to preach my last message there before I transitioned off, and I said, I think... I always thought that I did ministry here, but really all this was preparation for what was to come. And isn't that true with our lives, that everything is a building block of God's preparation for something else? And so in 2005, uh, God, through a number of circumstances, just drew our heart uh, to to the neediest leaders around the world. My brother had started an organization called Global Training Network, where we could pour into the least reached, unreached, these pastors that are pastoring that have no access to education. And for the last 12 years, I've had the privilege of traveling four months of the year, been in 42 different countries, 20 of those with pastoral training. And we just come, come alongside the pastors. We don't want to have this Western view of we're going to tell you how to do stuff. We're all about coming alongside, encouraging you, bringing we're working together in the kingdom of God and so it's been a, a thrill for the last 12 years to pour into the life of pastors and leaders and and uh,
1: tell me some tell me a couple of stories <clears throat> examples of of how some of the work that you're doing yeah uh,
2: just in a week and a half uh, Carrie and I will be heading to Ethiopia uh, met a pastor pastor Gurma, who leads one of the um, largest Ethiopian churches here in Seattle area and he uh, Ten years ago, he came to a group of pastors and said, I need help training pastors and leaders, and I was part of that group. We ended up going in 2011, and uh, two cities started to train pastors and leaders and so grew in love with the pastors and leaders of Ethiopia, and there was a movement of God there and helping our Ethiopian pastor who said, I have to do something with my my own people from Ethiopia, and so... Uh, That was in 2011. I've been back every year since. Hmm. And to date, there's been over a 1,000 who have graduated from a two-year training process. We come once, we launch the training, and then they meet every week with some master trainers, and they dig deep on the topics that we bring. And then we repeat it the second year, and then the third year is graduation. So this year, we'll be going back with 400 pastors and leaders who are currently involved and um, 250 additional students will be graduating from the program. But the cool thing about it is that it's an Ethiopian ministry. It's not a Western-led ministry, Mm -hmm. but we're coming alongside the Ethiopian church where they are doing that work, and they're planting churches, reaching hundreds and hundreds of people throughout the Horn of Africa, not only in Ethiopia but the countries surrounding
1: Yeah. So you also, what other countries do you uh, are you able to go to?
2: We uh, Cambodia is another key country. Met a young pastor. I love how God is raising up. I always think God has a remnant people wherever He has. He has His chosen ones, and and we met a pastor named Pastor Bora, and uh, he had this connection with all the young people throughout Cambodia, and and you recognize the history of Cambodia with Pol Pot back in the 70s, where. You know, over just a hundred days or so, there were so many over. I mean, not hundred over three three year period of time, thousands of people were murdered, mm-hmm. brutally murdered, and most of them educated, older people. So when I go, you don't see a lot of white hair, gray hair, the older generation, because they were just annihilated. And but there's a hunger and thirst within the young people of of Cambodia. They're hungry for the word of God, and so we got connected with Cambodia. There, We also go to Haiti, uh, go to Nepal, spend a lot of time in Nepal. This summer I'm going to Zambia and Zimbabwe, uh, been to China with some of the underground churches. It's pretty amazing some of the stories of what God is doing there. Um, Vietnam, Thailand, and it's uh, just been a blessing to carry the name of Christ, but to be part of God's kingdom work.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't want to get off track here, but as you're visiting these various countries and seeing how the church operates how would you differentiate between our western view of church versus what's Uh, happening in church and lots of other parts of the world
2: there i would i would liken it to this organic growth of uh, of a book of acts where there's just a hunger and thirst for the word of god it's new Uh, the spirit of god just does incredible things drawing people to himself uh, it's more of a Book of Acts thing than our structured way we do things here in America, not to put us down because right. um, I always think of what these pastors say when I go to them. They say, we pray that God blesses America because when God blesses America, America blesses the rest of the
1: world. Mm-hmm.
2: And, and that's really stuck with me, to be able to come and how do we bless these pastors, the church in these countries. But it's, it's more fluid and just an enjoyable time.
1: Well, we've, we've got about a minute left. As I listen to your life story and uh, you know, how the Lord has used you, uh, sh- share with our listeners, uh, those that may be thinking about being a part of a ministry and maybe they've gone through some defeats, uh, from your life, what, would you, what principle would you share? What would you say to these that are listening today?
2: When a difficulty in life comes, when a roadblock in life comes, don't think that's it, it's over with. God will make a way and view those things, roadblocks, difficulties, and delays, as an opportunity for God to reposition us to be part of His kingdom work.
1: Joel Matson, Global Training Network. He's the vice president. I want to thank you for joining me on Heart of the City today. If you want to hear a podcast of this broadcast or any other broadcast of Heart of the City, you can go to 820 am the Word website and click on local programs. Joel, thanks for joining me today on Heart of the City. Thank
2: you so much, Chuck.
0: You've been listening to this 820 AM, The Word special, Heart of the City. For more information on how your pastor or your ministry can be featured on 820 AM, The Word, call Chuck Olmsted, 206-269-6216.